This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit blackbee.org. Well, welcome to the Richard Blackbee Leadership Podcast. My name is Sam, and I'm your host. And on today's podcast, we have another great conversation um, with a business leader, Paul Spence. He is the owner and CEO of the STI Group, where he has served for the past 38 years. During his tenure in leadership with the company, the STI Group has grown from 75 employees to 1,300. The STI Group has expanded organically as well as through acquisitions from one fabrication company to a family of eight different companies with over seven different locations. He also serves on a variety of nonprofit boards. Paul is a graduate of Kirbyville High School as well as a four-year technical trade school. He describes himself as a self-taught entrepreneur. He has been married to Stacy for 39 years and has two kids and six grandkids. And this is a very fascinating conversation uh, with Paul and Richard, and I hope you'll get as much out of it as I have. Well, it's good to be with you again as uh, we do one of my special favorite features with this podcast, and that is to uh, interview a leader. This is a business leader and also a friend of mine, Paul Spence, uh, who hails up from north of uh, Houston in the oil country. And uh, I, I love Paul. I appreciate him and the way he serves the Lord. And so, uh, Paul, welcome to uh, the podcast today. Well, thank you, Richard. Good to be with you. And I know that Paul's a, a, a regular listener of this podcast as well. So I thought it's only fair that he also make a contribution by coming on as a guest. And so, Paul, tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you, where, where do you live? What do you do? Uh, what, what is your business? Um, and maybe tell us a little bit about your family. Okay, so uh, I live in a little town called Brooklyn, Texas, on uh, Lake Sam Rayburn, which is, like you said, north of Houston, uh, about two and a half hours. Uh, I've been married to my beautiful bride, Stacy, for 39 years. I have two kids, and I have six grandkids, and they are the joy of my life. Wow. Um, so uh, I'm also the, uh, the owner and CEO of the STI Group. The STI group is a group of companies, and uh, it's a it's a little hard in a, in a venue like this to explain what we do because <laughs> everything we do is somewhat custom. But mm-hmm. uh, the group of companies that I will tell about today is one is uh, a custom complex steel fabrication uh, company. We have seven shops scattered through the Gulf Coast, and uh, everything we do in those shops is uh, complex. Yeah. It's not one-offs. It's uh, everything's different. Hmm. Uh, probably the most repetitive thing that I ever did was I built 400 land-based drilling rigs at a cadence of one per week. Wow. Uh, yeah. Another good example would be the the Hard Rock Stadium in Miami Tech, uh, Miami, Florida. We built the steel that suspend uh, that held the suspension wires that hold up the roof just very very complex steel so we do a lot of work in the space industry uh and you just never know what those guys in the space industry are going to uh throw at you and it's usually very complicated it's very uh fast tracked and it's it's something you've never seen before so it's always a challenge but but honestly, it is. uh, I'm having the time of my life doing work in the space industry wow I bet I bet and then uh, the second the second company it would be our custom pipe uh, spool manufacturing. Uh, we just build pipe spools for all the industrial complexes, whether it be oil refineries, chemical plants, uh, 
many, many different types of uh, venues that we do for that. And the third company is uh, an industrial mechanical and civil construction company that we do work in the refineries, chemical plants, LNG export plants, midstream terminals. You just, you never know where we're going to be doing a job at. So God has really blessed me with just a really fun job that's new every day. Wow. You know, most people, they've got their hands full just running one company, Paul. <laughs> well, <laughs> thank God knows I like a challenge. <laughs> well, that's part of why I appreciate Paul. He's uh he, he takes on a lot of big projects, deals with a lot of, of employees and uh, and business uh, people and co- and uh, customers. And uh, and so, I, I you know, Paul, you've, you've been through a lot just like everybody as far as COVID and inflation and, and oil prices certainly uh, impact your business a lot. Uh, and so let, maybe just, I, I love, you know, hopefully now COVID's kind of a little bit more in the rear view mirror. Uh, hopefully than in the front windshield. But, uh, but just as you went through COVID, um, you had people working in factories, uh, you know, you, you couldn't work remotely trying to assemble metal parts and steel parts. So how did you, how did you handle that? And you, and oil prices fluctuate, they go up, they go down. Um, how have you led through that? What, what have you learned about just leading people in general? especially with the, the, the recent challenges you've had over the last couple of years? Well, you know, the verse comes to my mind is just a walk by faith. It was truly a walk of faith because you just, you didn't know what was coming. It was like you had blindfolds on. And thankfully we were, uh, we were able to continue working because we were, you know, necessary to a lot of projects that were going in the oil, oil refineries and the chemical plants. But uh, what, what I learned more than anything is the, the people were just, uh, they seemed to be just gripped with fear. Mm. And they needed a calm assurance. They needed somebody just to speak life into them and just to encourage them that we're going to get past this, we're going to get through this. Because there, I, I can tell you time after time, people just were fearful they were going to lose their jobs and they, they didn't know what was going to come. So more than anything, they needed that stable, steady, calm, assured leader that says, you know, guys, we've been through much worse than this. We're going to get there. And so I, I, as much as I, as I could, I try to just speak life to my employees and encourage them and just to reassure them that everything's going to be all right. You know, all things work together for good. For those who love God and call according to promises, and uh, he, he's been faithful to us. He'll be faithful to us. So I, what I learned through that, you know, I, I had to keep reminding myself of that. <laughs> but how little did I recognize how much the people that I lead needed to hear that? Yeah. Well, and, and that that was my next question is, well, how did you stay calm through all that? You're you got to make payroll. You got bills to pay. You got factories trying to keep going and trying to keep supplies with all the supply chain issues. Uh how, how do you stay calm day day in and day out when everybody's looking to you for all the answers and assurances? Well, you know, being transparent, there, there were days <laughs> that I had to, uh, we, the, the offices were working from home, so it was a new lifestyle for me. So I had never spent this much time at home and working from home. So there were many days I had to just go out and take a long walk and talk to God and come mm-hmm. back. And I'd go out walking and encourage myself in the Lord like David did and just come back and I'd have a, just a, a renewed zeal that, okay, we're going to be okay. But leading up to that, it was amazing how God 
had provided for our company and and just we had started a uh just, just trying to put away dry powder and just didn't know why but we just felt like we need to be very conservative in the years leading up to that and just God provided hmm. in the most amazing ways and just God knows the the end from the beginning the beginning to the end and he prepared us for that hmm. and so I, as I look back at what God took us through there was just an overwhelming sense of peace that God gave me hmm. oh I've taken you through so many things hmm. I got you and I just had to trust God I know that sounds like a simple hmm. answer to a complex question but that's what happened Wow. You know, and I, and that kind of, well, I was going to say, I've been to your, your home and looking out on Lake Rayburn, that's uh, I, I think I'd find some comfort just looking out and, and seeing God's beauty. <laughs> there's, there's worse views from a home office than the one you, you have at your house. I could, I, I know, but, but uh, you know, as a Christian and a Christian business person, a lot of, we, we address this a lot because we have a lot of business leaders that listen to this podcast. We have a lot of pastors that do. But you, you aren't a pastor, but you are uh, a spiritual leader, and God's assigned you to be a spiritual leader in a pretty tough workplace. You know, I've been in that area. You, you're working with a lot of oil guys, st- guys working with big steel projects, and I mean, these are these. This could be a kind of a tough crowd that that you work with, <laughs> and uh, and yet that's it, that's really your congregation. I mean, those are that's your flock that you're leading as a spiritual leader as well. A lot of these guys have come from pretty tough backgrounds, and so how do you? I mean, how do you envision that God's entrusted a lot to you? a lot of people, a lot of lives, and they represent a lot of families. What, what are some things you've done just as a, a spiritual leader to try to, you know, you, you talked about encouraging them and being a calming influence, but how, how are you approaching your role as a spiritual leader in a, in a pretty tough industry? Well, it is a tough industry and they're, they're hard shell guys, but un, underneath those hard shells, they're, they're just like everybody else. Uh, mm. One thing I've learned is leading these type of guys. It don't, it doesn't matter who you're trying to lead. Most people want to know that they can trust you. Mm. And in order for them to trust you, you got to be transparent and you got to be real. You got to be careful that you, um, when you make commitments, whether big or small, you better fulfill them because they're watching you. They're watching you close and they'll hold your feet to the fire. Hmm. So be, be, you know, they, they want to know that they can trust you. They want to, they want to know that, that this is a, this guy is real. And sometimes that means, uh, I'll give you an example. About uh, three months ago, we had a, a near miss, a near miss in one of our factories means that we had a close call with a safety incident where somebody almost got hurt. Hmm. Thankfully, nobody did, but it was a, a near miss. Hmm. So I went out and I investigated it and uh, I take um, safety incidents very seriously. And so I went out and I investigated. I came back the next day and they were, it was, they haven't, they hadn't fixed what they were supposed to fix. And quite honestly, I lost my cool. Hmm. And it it just, uh, it it got all over me and I took four supervisors and I, I, I dressed them down pretty good and, and I went home that night and uh, the spirit of God just really convicted my heart. And I said, you know what? Look, I crossed the line. Mm-hmm. So I went back to him the next day and I said, look, guys, I'm not happy with the safety instance, but I want to apologize to you guys. I, I crossed the line and I shouldn't have 
lost my cool like it is. And I sincerely asked your apology. And you know what? Those guys, they received me with more grace and love than you can imagine. Hmm. And as hard as, you know, hardcore as some of these guys are, they just want you to be real. And they want to know they can trust you. Hmm. And the second thing that I've learned about leading them, uh, Richard, is uh, I, I did a, an informal survey among my employees one time. And I asked them this simple question. What's the least desirable attribute you want to be in the leader you're following hmm. and almost 100 every one of them said we cannot stand a leader that's prideful and arrogant huh. and we don't want a leader that's talking down to us thinks they're better than us we want somebody that we can relate to hmm. so god god has really showed me that no matter how hard these guys may be they want somebody they can trust and they want somebody that's humble and that doesn't think they're better than they are and talks down to them. They want somebody to just treat them uh, the way you'd want to be treated. Wow. So, although you know the off field has a uh, has a reputation of hard guys, they're guys like any other industry. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I found that just even uh, working with CEOs, I've had people say to me, "Well, uh, boy, those 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 top guys, they're 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 tough. They're smart. They're gifted. Um, how do you are, are you intimidated by them?" But but boy, I found even those guys. I mean, they they got to go home to families. They got kids that, you know, give them challenges. They got marriages they got to work on, and uh, they got their own fears and issues. And you, you know, you start to realize people are still people. You peel them back, and they've got uh, the same. They they bleed the same way. They hurt the same way. They may have different levels of income or you know responsibility, but uh, at the end of the day, if you if you connect with someone's heart, it's amazing. Um, what they'll do for you and how you can lead them. And quite honestly, it was hard for me to go back and apologize. You know, I bet. <laughs> but you know, uh, those guys said, Paul, you grew 10 foot in my side today. Just I wouldn't be willing to. And so sometimes in order to gain their trust, you have to be transparent and real. And yeah, you know, there's good days and bad days on the bad days. It meant, Hey, I made a mistake. I did. I didn't do the right thing. They'll respect you a whole lot more for it. Well, you're top, you're the top guy in at least three different, uh, major companies. And so going all the way down there to deal with that firsthand and not sending someone else, um, that that's got to say something that the, the owner himself is in there checking up on safety. Uh, that, that's got to say something about how you prioritize their own safety and their own lives. You know, you you also I know you're you 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 love the church and uh, and I kind of know you've had some struggles just to, like a lot of guys. Uh, you know, a lot of the CEOs I work with are very talented. They uh, you know they can fix problems. They can work with people. They can see f- the future markets and they can make a, a, adaptions to that trends for the future and so on. And then they try to find a church that is kind of behaving in a similar way where they're the church is looking for. Uh, the the future and what what where what it should be and and it's trying to figure out how to satisfy if you will the customers its people meet its needs and 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 to solve problems you know not to let things just fester and sometimes for a guy like you that's used to dealing with that all week long and then you go to church and you're not seeing that happening with really the most important organization of all like God's people the church uh, people's eternities are at stake here and oftentimes churches aren't rising to the occasion to be what they ought to be. Um, how do you deal with that? I, you know, I, I guess the question I'd have for you is, uh, as it, for the pastors and church leaders listening in on this podcast, uh, what do you need as a business guy? 
I mean, when you come to church, uh, what are you coming for? What do you, when you, for you to leave a church and be a satisfied customer, uh, what do you need? And, and then on the other side, uh, you're bringing, you know, people always want you to write a check for the church, but, uh, but you bring a lot more than a checkbook. Um, what, what else do, do business people have that the church needs? And I've, I found a lot of my work in recent days has been trying to just help these two groups get together. Uh, I, I feel they both have lots to offer each other, but sometimes they seem to have a, a, kind of a, a struggle just connecting properly. So, so you know, what do you need as you come, and then what do you have to offer the church besides just a page or like a, a check to write? Well, before I answer that question, I first want to pre-qualify the church I'm at now. The pastor is very in touch and tune. Uh, he he is very much um, preaching sermons that are very relevant to the issues that hmm. not only me as a businessman, but the whole congregation is facing. He's very relevant, but okay. in times past, in times past, uh, it, it hadn't always been the case. Hmm. Uh, quite honestly, from a businessman's perspective, you know, five days a week you go and you beat, beat up, beaten up, you're battered, you're bruised and you just, you know, you're, solving problems all day long and you, you have a day off on saturday you're attending to your family by saturday night you kind of start feeling like a human being again and then you go to church on sunday morning it just seemed like the sermons were all about just you know serving in the sunday school department or just <laughs> you know how can you assist the church and you're thinking hey i'm still trying to heal up from last week's bruises and battering and i'm going i got problems that i'm going would you please just feed me with something will help me with you know the life that i live and it just felt like there was no relevant relevance to what we were going through and mm. you just you, you left feeling hungry mm. you left feeling unfulfilled you you you, you felt like you know god I, I really needed to hear from you on these situations and it just wasn't relevant to the world that I lived in. Hmm. It seemed like it was just a strong disconnect with preachers really understanding what their congregations were facing hmm. five, six days a week. And it was very frustrating to me. Hmm. So what I did is I decided, you know what, I can complain about it all day long. But I decided, you know, to pull alongside some pastors and just say, hey, you know, you really realize what your congregation was going through. Hmm. and where they're hurting at and just you know they, they need to be fed in certain areas that you may not even have a, an inkling of what they're going through hmm. so I, I decided i would befriend the pastor instead of criticizing hmm. that seemed to be the best thing so my my encouragement to pastors would be yeah your businessmen are, are unique and you're usually top a and sometimes they can be blunt but Hear their heart. They, they have needs just like anybody and everybody that need to be addressed. And they, they can help the pastors in a lot of ways, but they are also uh, those vessels that come to church on Sunday mornings that need the fresh anointing of the Spirit to be poured into their vessels. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, what, uh, you know, I, I know as someone that has to solve problems and, has, and knows how to lead, 
uh, I can be a little frustrating sometimes because pastors are not always leaders. They, they're, they're preachers, they're teachers, they're theologians, they're chaplains. They're not always leaders. And uh, so a strong leader comes in and watches um, a church that's important to them that's not maybe being led well. That can be kind of hard sometimes <laughs> to watch that and see it underachieving and not missing opportunities. Business guys don't like to miss opportunities. Uh, and churches often will do that. Is there any, any advice to a pastor? If you're, you, you got a couple of business guys in your church, um, what would, what would you suggest they do to try to, you know, you can always pass a plate, but that's, if you don't, if, if you're missing opportunities, it doesn't matter how much money you're collecting. You're going to still miss those opportunities. So what else would you any advice you give to a pastor about maybe, you know, letting, letting these business guys get a, a real challenge that's meaningful to them? Uh, I'm going to give you the uh, challenge that my pastor does. He's very intentional about having lunch with me and other business guys on, on a frequent basis and just saying, hey, guys, what are you seeing? What are you hearing? What, what do you recommend that we do? Hmm. And he is he's amazing hmm. at, at just listening to what we see. Hmm. Now, again, we don't we may be off. We may not see the whole picture the way he sees it, but he is uh he's very intentional about seeking us out spending time with us asking us questions and letting us just speak our mind hmm. with you know no recourse of what we might say he just uh he's an amazing pastor that just uh, intentionally seeks us out hmm. and seeks our advice on what we see the church is doing and which way we think the church should go. So to mm. me, that's the, the best uh, avenue that I could uh, recommend to pastors that may be listening. Wow. Um, you know, Paul, if you, if I know you spent time uh, working with younger leaders starting out and uh, if you were, if you were to give some advice to some guys, maybe they're starting out in their career, maybe they're in the, you know, they're in the business world trying to, just build their career, maybe, you know, find some uh, success and uh, a place they can really thrive. Um, and w what's the advice you give a young guy when you're, when you pull them aside, you have coffee with them or something, and they're asking you for just advice. Maybe they're a young parent just getting their family started as well. How do you, w what, what wisdom do you pass on to folks like that? Well, there, there's two primary pieces of advice that I always try to give and it all comes from the experiences that I went through. So I gave my life to Christ in, uh, in August of 1981. And thankfully, the man that led me to Christ, uh, not only led me to Christ, he decided he would start mentoring me and just teaching me the, the rudiments of the scriptures. And uh, he challenged me to start getting up 30 minutes every day and seeking God's face and getting to God's word, start hiding God's word in heart. But he also challenged me to start praying about and seeking a, a specific verse of scripture. And the way he put it to me then was to let that become your life verse. Hmm. And within 30 days of me coming to know Christ, it, it was undeniable that God led me to Matthew six thirty three: seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Hmm. All these things will be added unto you. And that I started applying that verse to everything I did, whether it was my marriage, my finances, our businesses, everything i said you know what this mentor taught me to seek god first and as i as i grew in the lord i recognized that that challenge changed my life hmm. 
Hmm. So the first piece of advice I would give any uh, young entrepreneur, or somebody wanting to start business is always seek God first. Hmm. Get up every morning, get in God's work, see what God has to say to you about the day and write down those verses on a note card, send yourself a text, however you, you know, is best for you, but be in God's word, seek his, God has more wisdom to impart into you than you'll ever get in any other venue, whether it be college or, or just the school of hard knocks, God can, he can tell you beforehand things that are going to happen. And then the second thing that I would, um, tell a young entrepreneur, somebody starting out was always surround yourself with godly counselors and mentors. Thankfully, I have had some of the most amazing mentors through the years. And I'll tell you a little story that happened to me in 2003. At that time, our, our business was growing. I was, uh, I was working a lot of hours and my kids were teenagers at the time. And I was uh, I was burning the candle at both ends. I was also a bivocational youth minister. Wow. And uh, so it was just uh, the best of times, the worst of times. I mean, yeah. I, I was just really, really uh, doing the best I could to keep it between the ditches. Hmm. And about that time, God started really impressing upon my heart. He was, I knew he was calling me to something. Hmm. But I just, uh, I couldn't figure out what it was. For six months, my wife and I just really prayed and sought God's face. And we came to one place. God, whatever it is, we will, we surrender. We'll do whatever you tell us. Just make it clear and known. Hmm. And through a series of events, I was at a, a meeting with Focus on the Family. And I, I met a man by the name of Mac McQuiston. Hmm. And he asked me to eat dinner with him one night at one of these events. And uh, he asked me to tell his story and I did. And I told him I really struggled. And I said, I feel like God's calling me something higher at first. I thought he was calling me to preach, but I can't get peace about that. I, but I just cannot seem to understand what God's asking me to do. So through that dinner that night, me and him talked and he said, Paul, have you ever thought God might be calling you to serve him full time in and through business? And it was like the windows of heaven opened up mm. and I knew that's what God was calling me to do. Mm. But without that mentor, and in fact, Mac is still a mentor in my life oh. right now. But without him walking me through that difficult time, I knew God was calling me to do something, but I couldn't understand. Mm. But God used another man to help me see clearly what he was trying to speak to me. Mm. So my advice is always seek God first. And number two, surround yourself with godly counselors and mentors hmm. they can help you get through some of the most difficult days of your life hmm. well that's that's a great word and i and i appreciate mac too he's a great man and um i love him and and his heart i uh paul maybe one last thing i you know i i and i've shared this a lot i've i've led a lot of different kind of organizations and uh, faced a lot of different challenges but but i always say the biggest challenges i've ever had have been in my own home not in my workplace and uh God's blessed you. You've got a wonderful son, a wonderful daughter, but uh, any any counsel in terms of leadership in your home that you give people, because um, it's you know we've often said if you're going to be successful at work, that means you're probably going to have to work harder and longer uh, than a lot of of other guys uh, to get get places, and and sometimes that means you you know you can only you only have so much time in the day. So you're you're building a career. Maybe you're not 
as much time at home or other places. Uh, what, any advice on just leading in the home? I know, I know you've, you've taken that very seriously and, uh, and, and worked hard at that. Well, first of all, I married a very good woman, so that makes it a whole lot easier. <laughs> yeah. She she is uh, my prayer warrior. She's my encourager. She's uh, we've been together for thirty nine years, and I praise God for the gift that she is to me. Hmm. But um, I'll, I'll tell you a story that really brought it home to me. It happened in nineteen ninety seven. It was a uh, New Year's Day of nineteen ninety seven, and. Uh, at that time, the, the, the business was growing. It was demanding a lot from me. It just, um, the kids were younger and they needed time from me. It just, I was still, I, at that time, I was uh, a bivocational youth minister. I just, I had too much on my plate. And I'll never forget, she came to me about 10 o'clock on New Year's Day. And she, uh, she approached me very carefully and very wisely, she said, Paul, I love you, and I always love you. I said, my dad had the same job you did, so I understand what you're going through. But she said, but I'm going to speak frank to you. I need a husband, and my kids need a father. And Richard, it was like a knife going through my heart. Hmm. I knew she was right. Hmm. But the way she approached me, it was in a manner that I could excel. Yeah. And I spent the rest of that day just seeking God's face. And I ended up in Exodus where Moses' father-in-law came to him and said, mm. Moses, what are you doing? Mm. He said, well, I'm judging all the people. And he said, you're going to wear yourself out and wear them out. So that day I reorganized the business to where I had to hire a lot more people. And at first I thought, it's going to cost a fortune. We can't afford it. But at the end of that year, well, one other commitment I made to her, I said, from this day, Stacy, I will come home at 4.30, no later than 5, and I will give you my full undivided attention, hmm. the attention you deserve as a wife and the attention my kids need. And I did reorganize the business similar to the same way that Moses did. You know, he set up counselors over 100 and over 50 and over 10 and so on and so forth. So I, I use that same model. Hmm. And the ironic thing is the business doubled that year. <laughs> I was holding the business back, but wow. it, not only it, the business, God blessed my business, but he blessed my marriage in ways that I couldn't even imagine. And it, it, it led to a deepening uh, my relationship with my kids. So God's ways are just so much higher than our ways. That's for sure. Well, Paul, I knew our time would race by you. Uh, you've got a lot of wisdom and God's used you and he is using you powerfully. And uh, I appreciate just your heart uh, to be full-time serving the Lord, seeking the kingdom in the oil patch and the, and all the other places you work. And uh, I, I know our listeners um, will just enjoy this, uh, this podcast. And we'll, we'll put some links uh, to his, uh, his company in case you ever need uh, some massive uh, steel structure built. He knows how to do that. Uh, but Paul, thank you very much for just sharing with us again, just being candid and honest with us. And I know a lot of folks will be blessed by hearing your story today. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening to the podcast. If this is something you enjoyed, it really makes a difference if you leave a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We always love hearing from our listeners. So email us at podcast at blackme.org.